Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. You are in for a real treat in this episode. I get to speak to Bill Herman. He's the owner of Paradiddle Records, a famous record studio here right on Long Island in Huntington. And we explore this wonderful album called Hank Williams Uncovered. You're going to learn a lot about the music business, about how things have changed, and get Bill's insights. Hey, let's listen to a former guest, Pete Mancini, as he covers Love Sick Blues. Such a beautiful dream I'd hate to think it all over I lost my heart at sea I've grown so used to you somehow Well, I'm nobody's sugar daddy now And I'm lonesome I got the lovesick Satisfied, but she just wouldn't stay. So now that she is leaving, this is all I can say. I got a feeling called the blues. Oh Lord, since my baby said goodbye, and I don't know what I'll do. All I do is sit inside. Such a beautiful dream I'd hate to think it all over I lost my heart, it seems I've grown so used to you somehow Well, I'm nobody's sugar daddy now And I'm lonesome I got the lovesick Hey, I'm really excited about the opportunity I have to speak with Bill Herman from Paradiddle Records. And what's so interesting to me is I speak to a lot of singer-songwriters uh, in the industry, and I'm really fascinated to get 
Bill's experience and perspective on the music industry and recording and how things have changed in the 17 years or so since Paradiddle Records was started. And we're really going to get into this album, this compilation album that's going to be released in May called Hank Williams Uncovered, just one of many. So we want to really kind of dive into that. And I want to welcome Bill Herman to the Long Island Sound Podcast. Welcome, Bill. Good to have you. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you having me on. You know what? I think we have the same mission because I was reading, uh, you know, how you approach the business and you really spotlight the, what I call the wellspring of talent that we have here on Long Island and the many artists. And I tell you, just a year into this, I am blown away. I'm blown away about how much talent and diversity there are uh, with musicians here on Long Island. So uh, so we're on well, the same path. That, that's true. There are so many great musicians on Long Island, and uh, it's great to be able to help getting them some exposure. I got to ask you this, and I, it was funny because uh, a friend of mine who's a percussionist says, you know what paradiddle is? <laughs> and I said, I said, I have no idea. Apparently, it's a drum sequence, right? So Right. Well, I'm, I'm a drummer. Uh, I've been playing drums since the fourth grade, but... Uh, Wow. You know, I was thinking of a name for the, the record label, and uh, I wanted something that would catch people's attention. And I was thinking, oh, percussion, flam, and I came across Paradiddle. I said, you know what, that, that flows off your tongue, and people will remember it. They can't spell it. Nobody can ever spell it, but they, <laughs> right. but they can remember it. So that was the important thing. As long as they remember it and they're talking about it, that's, that's the key that, thing, I guess. That's right. right. And you can spell it wrong, and it won't, uh, it won't autocorrect either, so... <laughs> So how did how did you go from being a drummer at, at the age of four? God bless you. You know, I'm not sure the age of the, four, fourth grade. Let's... Fourth grade. Okay. <laughs> how did you move from that to becoming a record producer? I mean, what was that? What was that drive that made you say, "Hey, I think I can do this"? Uh, well, you know, I'm one of those. I'm from the generation that saw the Beatles on TV back in 19, was it 63, 64 on the Ed Sullivan show. Mm -hmm. And it basically set my direction on, on what I wanted to do in my life. Uh, I picked up the drums, you know, in the, in the fourth grade, they're like, you got to choose an instrument. My neighbor was a drummer. All right, I'll be a drummer. Um, but I was always fascinated with how records were made. That was one of the things that I was always curious about. You know, I'd lay at night in bed listening to WABC radio, listening to Cousin Brucie playing all the pop hits, which I loved and I still love today. But um, I always wondered, how did they make those things? Um, and after college, I bought a couple reel-to-reel -reel tape recorders and would record my songs, bounce two tracks, then bounce it to the other, and, you know, eventually got one of those... Uh, digital playstations where you could record eight tracks at one time and uh, I just love the art of making records and when I was in my 40s I decided to really learn how to do it and I went to an audio recording school okay and uh, from there I started Power Diddle Records along with my partner who had my partner is Tom Crawford who at the time had just sold a pizzeria that was his business and mm -hmm. we decided I well we both loved Bob Dylan and decided to let's start a record company. Let's make a record of Bob Dylan songs with Long Island artists. And that's how the whole thing started. Well, it's interesting. Really. I mean, we got into this at the exactly wrong time. 
we got into it when CDs were becoming a thing of the past. Um, and now the only way bands really make money is through performing and touring. You know, you look at the price of concert tickets and they're astronomical, but that's because that's the way the artists, it's the only way they can make money. They can't really sell records. Uh, nobody buys CDs so much anymore. Um, so the industry has really changed a lot. You know, as a, as a Long Island studio, we, we're set to make, you know, tens of dollars every day. And uh, it's just not a... It, it's changed dramatically. Everyone can make music. I mean, the internet's great because everybody can get their music out there. But on the downside, everybody can get their music out there. So there's so many people screaming for your attention. And the challenge is, how do you break through? How do you stand out from all that noise? And that's the real challenge for musicians today. Right. Where it used to be just an audio, if I capture the audio, I'm really focused in that. I'm talking about the radio and how we got exposed to music, how uh, I'm 61, you know, I stole my sister's albums to, you know, right. play play it till the needle wore out type of thing. But now it's different. Now there's a lot of more components to it. You have to be a, a marketer. You have to throw out reels on TikTok and, and YouTube and what have you to, you know, become the shiny lure or penny to say, hey, come listen to me, come listen to the whole thing. So it's really interesting, you know, how well, there's so many outlets changed. for the music for music now. There's, you know, Spotify, Pandora, like you said, YouTube. And, you know, how do you get heard? It's 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 really difficult. It's really difficult. Right. Everyone it's, can it's, make a record, like you said, on their phone. Right. But do they all have the, the knowledge and the experience to, like you said, put the nuance in there? Uh, you know, how how do we make this sound different? What instruments can we add? Uh, being a producer is a really important role in making a record. And if you have a good producer, that can be all the difference in the world. You know, and some people are great at producing themselves and others aren't. So to get the input from a producer and an engineer who knows how to make it sound good is really important. So it's it's how people perceive what you're putting out there. Everyone sees it in a different way. Everyone comes at it from a different angle. Um, everyone has a different emotional experience when they hear it and a different background. So. When an artist comes to you and says, hey, I want you to I have some songs. I, I want you to, to record me. You know, I've heard good things about you and want your influence. What happens when, this is maybe strange, when you realize they just don't got the mojo that they need to be a good art. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'll, I won't talk about who it was, but I had an artist. I have people come to me and say, oh, you know, hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. And a lot of it's preference stuff. I don't really discount any genre or anything out of the bat. But sometimes I look at something that they produce, and, and this is real critical. This is bad to say. It looks more like an ego project than something that, is cherished by others. Is that, is that fair? Sure, sure. And that's, uh, there's a lot of that, not only in, in music, but, you know, in pub in book publishing. Now everybody can publish a book. So right. uh, everybody thinks whatever they're doing is really good. But if somebody comes in and they have music and they want me to record it, I'll do it and I'll encourage um, them. A lot of people come in and want to record something and say, oh, would you put this out on Paradiddle Records? I always have to walk the line where it's like, well, 
it's not really right for our label or something like that. That that's a that can be a challenge. But I never want to discourage anybody from making music, whether it's good or bad, because I just think the the process, the, just making art is that's so true. important. And, and you know, I'm at the point in my life now where I'll only take on the projects I really like. You know, cool. I mean. You know, a few years ago, I would have, you know, just opened the studio. You want to come in, you're willing to, you want me to work with you, I'll work with you. And now I'm a lot more selective with what I, what I want to do. Like, I want to talk about Pete Mancini. Pete Mancini, by the way, for those who are listening, look up the Pete Mancini episode. I had such uh, a great experiencing, experience interviewing Pete Mancini. Uh, and then I got a chance, and a lot of my guests like you, Bill, I don't get to see until after the virtual aspect of it. And I got to see Pete at the WUSB 45th anniversary concert. And uh, it was just kind of spectacular. It's just, uh, and he's the first cut on the, he's the first cut that we heard coming into the episode. So maybe you can talk about Pete and about that, that cut and how the uh, project came together. Sure. Well, uh, Pete and I have worked together a long time. He was originally with the band Butcher's Blind. That was the first time somebody sent me, uh, he sent me a three song sample CD of songs that he's like, you know, uh, you know, we want to work on these or we want to record these. And uh, he had also worked with Mike Nugent and they had just finished uh, play for the films. And I was like, wow, this music really strikes me. So mm. we picked up Play for the Films. We put that out. We also did, you know, Destination Blues, a couple other records. I've worked on some of his solo records. So he and I have worked together a long time. And uh, But his music just really connects with me. Um, it's, not, it's not often an artist does that. And, sure. you know, there's a big generation gap between us, but we both love the same music. So it's it's really interesting to find somebody like that. And um, so we were working on something. It might have been Bob Dylan Uncovered 3. I don't even know what we were working on. Uh, and we had wrapped it up. And I said to Pete, you know, I'm thinking of doing something for Hank Williams. I go, you know any Hank Williams songs? He goes, yeah, okay. I know one. And he played, uh, he played Lovesick Blues. And I was like... Oh my God! I said that 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 is an amazing track. It's a perfect rendition of a Hank Williams song, and he actually inspired me to move forward with the record after he 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 recorded the basic track, and then we added other things to it. But that's he his version was so good that he inspired me to just keep going with the record. Yeah, I tell you, you know, I I like to express the feelings I have, and I was very you know, anytime I have a guest like you on, I I. I I devour the music for a couple of days like I was a kid playing, you know, the vinyl album. But what struck me about this two CD compilation was one, the diversity in it. Okay. But the fact for me was holy cow, I didn't I didn't realize how many Hank Williams songs I actually know that yeah. that are in the uh, the American lexicon, right? And that this may sound <laughs> That made Hank Williams come alive for me. And then hearing, you know, Pete's a younger man, hearing his voice and his little yodel. I can't. I can't even yeah, it. yeah. He yeah, knocks it out of the park with that. You know, whatever. Yeah. And, and, and he did it this past Sunday. And I'm like, man, this is so cool. This is really cool to keep the spirit alive. And that's what's great about music. You know, it's a moment in time. But it kind of resurrected Hank Williams for me just listening to this compilation. Well, 
that's why I love Hank Williams. I mean, you know, Move It On Over by George Thorogood. When I was right. in college, I heard that song. I loved the song. And I realized, oh, wait, that's Hank Williams. I didn't realize. <laughs> I, I mean, I knew it was, but I didn't recognize it at first as a Hank Williams song. I mean, I li first listened to Hank Williams uh, when I was a kid. My father had one of those record players that would stack six records high, you know, sure. and they'd yeah. drop down. They'd slap, yeah. they'd slap down, yeah. Right. And one of them was Hank Williams' Greatest Hits. And it would come on, and, and I listened to it. and But then I realized years later how much that music really resonated with me. I mean, like you said, so many of the, of his songs are there that you don't know are his songs. Right. You look at uh, Grateful Dead, Europe 62. They do You Win Again, which uh, Gene Casey did on this CD. I never, at that time, I never realized it was Hank Williams until I, you know, years later, and I really looked into it. He's all over the place. Right, and especially when you go the span of a generation, right, where it kind of goes, drifts away, you know, in, in your memory because it was on record, right? Uh, and right, you don't realize it was a cover. Same thing happens with, you know, the Grateful Dead and Buddy Holly and stuff like that. You know, sure. Certain sure. things you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's Buddy Holly, and it was a, a two-and-a-half-minute song, not a 45-minute right. 45, 45 uh, uh, guitar solo. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Deadheads, I'm, I apologize right off the bat for that. But nope. um, in putting together the compilation, so I know there's this legal aspect of it, but I guess all these songs are not copyrighted and you, can, and you can do covers. There's no legalisms with that. I mean, what's the background on, or is there any difficulty in putting together a compilation? Well, well this most yeah. of his songs are are uh, published by uh, Ascoff Rose, I think is how you say it. But um, really all you have to do is pay the mechanical rights. I mean, you, you have to okay. pay rights for the physical CDs uh, that, you're, that you're manufacturing. Anything streaming is covered by the streaming companies. So oh, I follow you. Okay. You know, so we we pay the we pay the mechanical rights for the CDs that we run. Um, we always do that, and uh, you know, it's easy enough to do. When we did the Bob Dylan stuff, that was right. different. Now, now, now it's easy because he doesn't really own his music anymore. But in the early days, we the first thing we did was this was called Bob Dylan Uncovered. And he had like three or four different publishing companies that he, he uh, wow. that owned his music, and we had to contact each one, sign a contract, pay them. You know that was a lot more difficult. Now, his music is owned by uh, whoever bought it. I forget who bought who's bought up all his music, but uh, but now you can go online, and, and there's a couple different sites you can go, and you pay the mechanical rights, mm -hmm. and you can do it. Now let's do this. Let's just take a quick break, and. When we come back, I want to talk about why there are still CDs, in particular for a, a studio. So, hey, everybody, we've got so much to discover with Bill Herman. We'll be right back after this brief message. Hang on. At the Long Island Sound, we're much more than a podcast. We're building a community. Please go to gigdestiny.com. Check out all our social media links. Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Please comment. Call the listener line. Tell us what you think, what questions we should ask, who we should have on the show. And most of all, we thank you for your generous support. And remember, support the artists who are guests on the show. Now back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're back with Bill Herman. This is Steve Yusko, your not-so-humble host of the Long Island Sound podcast. And, Bill, it's really great to have you and get a perspective from 
a studio pro like yourself. So the strange thing is, one, I actually have a CD player because my car's so old, so I get to do my homework, but cars don't come with CD players. So if that's the case, why why do you make CDs? Um, I will say there are three reasons. Okay. One, there are a lot of a lot of the music I make is geared towards a more mature audience, shall we say. So um, they still buy CDs. Cool. Okay. Um, you know, they, they, they might stream, but they're not as comfortable with it. And they'll, they like CDs. They like, they like holding something in their hand. Yeah. I mean, and now a lot of them are going back to the vinyl. I mean, I, I still love my vinyl and I still buy new vinyl, but CDs are still important for them. Um, radio stations, you know, uh, again, a lot of them want to have a CD. They want to play it. And then an artist, when he's out performing, Depending on the crowd, again, they want to walk away with something, they can walk away with the CD. I don't. I used to manufacture, you know, a thousand CDs for an album I'd put out. Now it's not nearly as many, shall we say. Yeah, sure, sure. Especially when you get into the fact that young artists depend on merch, which is kind of an interesting right. aspect. You know, the T-shirt, right. the, the cozy or whatever, you know, whatever they can do to support themselves. I guess this is just another vehicle you know, for that. Hey, I want to talk about the changes that I've seen in that artists used to do full albums. And now it seems to be a trend towards EPs, whether three or five songs. And have you seen that as well with how people uh, go out and engage their audience? Yeah, I've seen that. That's a, that's a big trend because, uh, you know, you get five, so you can put five songs together faster. Although, you know, instead of waiting till you have 10 for an album. Um, personally, I'd rather hear an album if it's... I mean, they an album used to be a body of work where you would take a... You know, you'd have side one, side two, and it all flowed together. Right, right. But the way people listen to music has changed so much. People have playlists. People, you know, will shuffle playlists. So the album is not as important to a lot of people as it used to be. And, and an EP is, is like a side of an album, so it's still a good thing, but it's a good way for an artist to continue to get their music out there before they have a whole album done. Yeah, so, so there, uh, during the time when albums were the major thing, a lot of thought went into, okay, what's going to be that first song on side one? How am I going to approach this? How is this going to lead into the next song? And the next song, is it going to tell a story or have a flow? Sure. I, think, I, I think it was Frank Zappa who said, you know, his his catalog was one long show, basically, or one continuous song is how he looked at what he created, um, you know, to put out there. So that's kind of that's gone. It's un, it's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, you, you say that, yeah. but we, we put out the we put out the Hank Williams CD and trying to put that in order is a big challenge. Yeah. And that imagine. that's. I probably could have fit all those songs on one CD, but I wanted to make it two CDs so I could come up with a, a flow, something that made sense musically, listening one song into the next, into the next. Right. Because um, I still think that's important. You know, to me it is at least. Yeah, so not only are you orchestrating or putting the um, 
the, the how the song is played and instruments and that sort of thing. And now this is another layer of how you approach the music. Let me ask you this. How did you get all these people? <laughs> to, 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 how do you do? I mean, it looked like you put together a football team. There's so many different artists on this. It's, it's yeah, just, we have, it, it seems well, we overwhelming have, to me. We have 22 artists. I think a total of 66 musicians. Um, wow. I would say, I think every one of them I've worked with before, uh, you know, when I started this, like I said, Pete kind of, I was thinking of doing it. He inspired me to keep going. You know, I, I immediately reach out to like Gene Casey, Caroline Doctro, Mary Lamont, people that I know are right for the project. Uh, mm -hmm. Mike Meehan of the Lucky Ones. Um, these are just people I know and I've worked with. And then you start doing this and I'll be recording something in my studio and post it on Facebook. And somebody says, oh, wow, that sounds like a great project. Can I be part of it? So what you think is going to be a single album all of a sudden turns into a double album because you get these people who want to be on it that you know are good. And you say, well, how can I not let them on there? And uh, it just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, I, I almost equate it to... One of one of my favorite shows to watch, even till this day, is the 30th anniversary concert of Bob Dylan. You know. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. And how they and how they divided up the songs to play. Uh, you know who played what and uh, their inspiration and their um, their voice to the song, their interpretation. I always find so fascinating. And and Dylan is just so different that he plays. Uh, in his concerts, he used to, you know, I remember uh, listening to um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. They're like, yeah, he would start a song at a different tempo and a different key and not tell anybody to keep yeah. everybody on freaking edge to, to to be in that moment, which is, I can't I can't imagine, you know, it's, it's, it's I, interesting. I've heard rumors that some of the artists are a little little wacky from. Yeah, yeah. Mike. He probably is the head a, whack. A, a little, but, uh, a little bit, a little bit. Him and my other favorite is Neil Young, who is totally. Yeah. Out. He's, he's well, but out. but I think that's part of what the, where their genius comes from. You know, they're thinking they don't think like everybody else, and yeah. that's why they can create the things that they create. Right. So when you put this album together, how how long did it take you from inspiration from Pete to the final pressing? uh 14 15 months wow that's that's a pretty aggressive schedule really when, when i think about it actually it was I longer thought... than i thought because oh, really? you know, yeah. I thought, yeah yeah um but again it because it turns into a double cd um it usually takes a year to make a record for okay. me at least um and this one took you know for as i said 14 15 months and at the end i was you know almost ready to go and then wow, there's another track I got to add. And uh, oh wait, then there's another track I got to add. And uh, so, you know, it, it takes a while, but uh, it was a fun process. So so I have another technical question as far as production rights, you know, because mm -hmm. as I was looking through each song, you know, certain people get a production credit. How does that, how do you agree on that? Does that make, is that a proper question? Like, does, how do you... In other words, do you take a song and say, you know, he was really produced this song or I'm the overall producer or am I getting to minutia that really doesn't mean anything? No, I mean, I think it's important, you know, like, you know, a producer of a, a song is like a director of a movie. And it's I always want to make sure everybody who's involved gets the credit that they're due. 
Um, you know, a lot of the songs were recorded here in my studio, but a lot of them were recorded by other people in their studios. And if it's recorded by, you know, just, I mean, that's just, uh, they just tell me who their credits are. If they recorded it someplace else, if it's recorded here, you know, gotcha. you just got to make sure you get everybody their due. And, th and that's really important, whether it be they're playing tambourine or whether they're, you know, sliding a fader on a mixing board, everybody should get their due. Nice. That's a good, that's a good point. I tell you, I got something on my wish list. I would love to see this as a show, you know, as, as yeah. something at, at old, you know, at Westbury, uh, you know, where you have X number of artists come up. I think that would be, I think that would draw people in. I really do. I'd love to also. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, I've thought about it. Uh, if, if I could come up with a way to do it that makes sense, I would love to put this together as a show. Okay, so we're going to... You got any ideas, you let me uh, know. This is the forum. Any of you money men out there, listen to the CD when it comes out in May. You're going to have the same as ideas I had. I have no money. And you're going to say, you know what, this would be a good, a good show, you know? Because what I, what I like about your concept, and you've done... By the way, like, can, may I? I think I will. Bob Dylan uncovered. Bob Dylan uncovered too. Willie Nile. The King. By the way, I devoured. Do I got that right? The Kinks, yeah. I devoured the Kinks when I was in high school. The Kinks and the Doors were like everything I listened to. Um, what else do we got? Bob Dylan uncovered three. I think you. I think you like Bob Dylan. I think you said that earlier. I don't know. I don't know where you got that idea. <laughs> I don't know. It just comes to me. I can kind of piece yeah. the puzzle together. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's a gift. It's a gift. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a skill. Hey, but, let's, uh, I'm sorry. Did, did no, you go ahead. Me? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I, I should probably let the guests talk, I guess. It's probably a good idea. Hey, no, tell finish, us your finish your thought. <laughs> tell us about the next song we're going to hear. I'm a long gone daddy. So of it and the person uh, or the band behind it. So I'm a long gone daddy. I think that was, that was one of Hank Williams hits. Um, so it's, it's recorded by uh, their title. They're, they're credited as the lucky ones, but Mike Meehan is the driving musical force behind it. Uh, Mike Lucci is the production force behind it. And he also played a lot of the instruments on it. Um, so Mike Meehan played in a band that for a while featured Levon Helm. Ooh, wow. uh, so he has some real street cred. He's also one of Long Island's top chefs. So Mike has a lot of skills. And uh, as I said, he teamed up with Mike Lucci, who's a great drummer, a great producer. And they put together what I think is a really fun track. You know, they took a song and it's just, you listen to it, and you know they had fun making it. And they took the song and did something really original with it. So to me, it's one of my favorite on the record. I tell you, particularly when I watch a band live, and now I try to cue into how they cue each other and stuff. And let me tell you, when I see the joy in people who are playing together, it just, man, just transcends everything. And really makes it, makes it a great experience for, for the listener. You know? Sure. So. I think when you see a live band and they're having fun, the audience can't help but have fun. Right. Agreed. All right. So let's listen to I'm a Long Gone Daddy. 
We'll be right back after the song. Thanks so much for that, Bill. We'll be right back. I'm calling you some riding on a midnight train. I'm taking everything except my ball and chain. I'm leaving now. are back we just listened to i'm a long gone daddy i tell you i gotta encourage everybody to listen to the cd stream this music it is called i'll hold it up again hank williams uncovered 
And as I was telling Bill earlier, it made Hank Williams come alive again to me. And then to hear the interpretation by the different artists was really kind of, really kind of great. So uh, anyway, it's really, it's a, it's a great project. I look forward to your other projects as, as, as we go forward. So I got to ask you this, Bill, obviously you've been around what's, it's like 17 years now, right? that you've been in the studio thereabouts? Yeah, we started in 2000. The record label we started in 2006. Okay. So um, it's 16, 17 years, yeah. So is it is it by word of mouth? I mean, how how do you how do you get your business? How do you get artists to approach you and it's just Well, I mean, there's there's really two sides to what I do. I mean, I have this the recording studio and then I have the record label. Okay. The my real passion is the record label. The recording studio is a, a means to the record label. So, I mean, I, I work with artists who have nothing to do with the label all the time. And I just love recording music and I love producing and I love somebody coming in and here's my song and let's record it. And, and I like working with people who say, what do you think? And I was like, well, we need an organ and here we should, you should break down and do this. And I love doing that. And I love taking really good Long Island music and try and get it out to the rest of the world. And that's the real challenge. That's the really hard part of doing this. You know, I made this CD, the Hank Williams CD, produced, produced several of the songs. A lot of the songs were produced by other people. And that was the easy part. Now right. the challenge is getting people to hear it. And that's always been the challenge. But when they do, when I hear, you know, radio stations say, oh, yeah, we played your song. Or, I mean, I love to, to relay that music to the artist and it makes them feel so good. And uh, and that's really what it's all about. That's That's why we do this. So the mechanics, help me understand the mechanics of a record label in that, Let's take let's take this Hank Williams project, okay? Is there the potential as you as a small record company to be picked up by Sony or somebody else to say, we like what you did here, we want to expose it out? Is, is that a possibility or not really anymore? Sure, it's a possibility, and that, and I okay. would love that. Um, it hasn't happened yet, but uh, um, well, I'll see what I can. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, certainly, you, you get your percentage. I guarantee that. But, uh, um, you know, the, the music industry has changed so much. I mean, mm -hmm. back in the day, like you said earlier, a record company would sign an artist. They'd front the money. They'd cover the cost of the recording. They'd cover the cost of, you know, touring. And then, you know, eventually the artist might make some money back. But today it's just so different because everybody can make a record. And what is the role of the record company these days? Uh, you know, that's very, uh, it's very hard to define. And it really depends. Somebody like, like a small label like ourselves, we're just here to help anybody who we think has music to put out there, get it out there in any form that we can. And, you know, I have a studio, so I have the ability to, all right, so you can record it and your recording expenses won't be astronomical, you know, and we'll help you, we'll help you record it. We'll help you put it out there if we like it. And that's, that's what my, we can offer, you know? Yeah. My, my assumption would be that I'm an artist. I've done some home recordings. They're pretty good. I come to you. You kind of bring 
the level of the game up a little bit. My assumption would be if a record label at any size recognizes an artist is worthy of further production, that that adds to their credibility uh, to get the word out, I would think, uh, unless I'm well, it, grasping it, it does. straws here. It, it does. And, you know, we've been doing this for, like you said, 16, 17 years, whatever it is now. And we do have a lot of a lot of uh, radio stations and a lot of radio shows that if we send them a CD, they're going to listen and they're going to play it. I mean, okay. we've definitely developed some of that, um, Credibility. you know, and it's, it might not be the biggest stations, but it's stations that are, are playing the kind of music that we put out. That's the other thing. The music that we put out is not pop music. You're not going to hear it on you know, the big FM stations, but you're going to hear it on the FM stations, you know, the, the the shows maybe on the weekends where the DJs are playing the music they want to play, right. not the music that they're told to play. And that's really where our audience goes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, even down to, I had a discussion about this, about artificial intelligence, particularly through the streaming things. Hey, if you like, you know, when you sign up for a streaming service, Oh, what do you like? Oh, I like this guy. Oh, then you're going to like this guy. And I'm sorry. I'm anti-authoritarian. It's like, I don't want to tell, I don't want people, I don't want a computer telling me what I'm going to like to hear. Right, right. What um, we do is we put out these compilation CDs like the Hank Williams CD, but our hope is that, for example, a Pete Mancini fan will get the CD, but then they'll listen to the other 21 artists on there and, and they'll check out their their original music, you know, right. and, and, and that's what this is all about. You know, we, with, we're just trying to help these guys get more attention, find new audiences any way they can. And sometimes it's by playing a cover song that somebody already knows, but it, if it gets them to listen, then it might be worth it. You know, it's interesting. It's actually the formula in talking to, I typically don't have tribute bands on, but I've spoken to artists who were in tribute bands. And they do their own music too, and sure. they use they use that as a means to an end. Yeah, I'm getting into the venue. I have an audience. I have a following because they like Aerosmith or whatever, Patty, you know, whomever. And I'll I'll sneak in some of my own original music. You're kind of doing the same thing, in in uh, a more direct way. Because yeah, well, listen, I hear to to, to make a living in music these days, especially on Long Island, is tough. So you may have to play in a tribute band to pay the bills, but then you still want to make your music on the side, and hopefully somebody hears that too. Right, right, exactly, exactly. I think the other the other aspect we touched upon it is the social media, and I'm really intrigued by how people approach it. And there's these these two guys, uh, the Como brothers, who I think are fantastic. They they sound to me like the Everly brothers, and they must put two songs out a month. But then they got to the point where they do these reels of music. They'll come out with their song on a reel. Then they'll come out with their song on a reel with the lyrics. And it's very mathematical how they approach it to a point where YouTube is paying them 30 bucks a reel because now they're influencers. Right. It's just, it's freaking wacky, you know, how, how the approach is. But that's yeah. some, that's certainly something I have to get better at is, is, Social media, it seems to change, you know, every week there's something new or something different. And, uh, yeah, yeah you know, I, I I found, there's like a generational divide and I'm not hitting myself on the back, 
but there's almost it's changing so much. For example, you know, with the whole thing with Spotify allowing me to put the streams in to tie it back to the artist. Great. I think there is a uh, content war, especially if TikTok's going to go away with all the controversy that's happening there. Um, YouTube just came out and says, we want to promote a podcast on YouTube, video podcast. Cool. And it's like early stages. So that's the latest buzz. Uh, other things have to do with artificial intelligence and um, chat. GP is another thing where you can actually state in, hey, I'm talking to a studio executive about creating music. Give me some questions and boop, it'll spit out some yeah. some script. That, kind of interesting. It's it's almost scary, actually. Oh, I know. I know. I, you know, I actually people use, are going to people are going to stop thinking. I think people stopped thinking a long time ago. Oh, that's we, true too. <laughs> we like the unthinkers. Just listen yeah. to music. You don't think about yeah. it and buy yeah. it. <laughs> hey, yeah. let's talk about, um, I think Mike or Mick Hargraves, you were talking about this. Story. Yeah. Let's talk about Mick Hargraves. Um, yeah. Mick has his own studio uh, out East called Lan the, the Lantern Sound Rig is I believe what he calls that. Okay. Um, He's a great producer, a great engineer, um, but he contributed a track to this called Half As Much. Okay. And what I love about the track is that he does what we, we're always looking for when we do these, um, I don't want to call them tribute CDs, because they're not. They're, they're taking these artists and interpreting their music in a different way. Right. And he did that exactly with this Hank Williams song. He turned it upside down and man it's it's a great track it's a it's a wonderful way to interpret a song and you know he did it in his studio and he it's a he, he made it job. his own he made it his he own did, he definitely made it his own and right. but not only that he made it good too so you can make it your own but it might not be good but he made it his own and made it great so all right so let's listen to half as much We'll be right back after the song. Stick with All us, right. everybody. Thanks. If you love me half as much as I love you, you wouldn't worry me half as much as you do. You're nice to me when there's no one else around. You only build me up To let me down If you missed me half as much as I miss you You wouldn't stay away half as much as you do I know that I would never feel so blue If you only love me half as much as I love you
much as I love you You wouldn't worry me half as much as you do You're nice to me when there's no one else around You only build me up to let me down as I miss you You wouldn't stay away half as much as you do I know that I would never feel so blue If you only loved me half as much as I love you back with Bill Herman. I'm learning a hell of a lot about the recording industry. He gave me all the secrets to the kingdom of how to be a successful recording artist, but I'm not going to share it with anybody because I'm selfish. So you'll have to tune in another time, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> hey, let's, let's, so I've spoken about the wellspring of talent, which I, I am utterly amazed about Long Island and what we have and particularly the diversity of artists. Tell me about some of the people on this compilation uh who you've done other recordings with and, and let's give kind of a shout out to them sure well we talked about pete mancini so maybe we should um but again pete's uh a phenomenal anybody who gets a chance to go out and see him i suggest you do that i know he's coming out with some new music yep. uh in april so make sure you check that out as well um but some of the other people uh, well, on this CD, for example, there's Alan Santoriello. Um, Alan has been playing uh, playing on Long Island's. Uh, he's he's in our age group, so he's been playing for what forty years. He uh, started out with the Little Wilson Band, right? Who, uh, if you ever go to Northport in the summer, you won't be able to get into Northport Park because they will have filled the place up. Uh, yeah. Alan has been making a living as a musician for a long time. Plays with the one walkers. of the best with the yes, with Mike Nugent, your buddy Mike Nugent and the Walkers. Yes, uh, they're playing tomorrow night, I think. That's uh, correct. They're playing at some brewery. Yes, the brewery, the some cow, milk cow, cow brewery, cow, cow harbor brewery. Yep, that's it. Cow sells. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah. So no, Alan, Alan's great, and we did. Uh, he has an original music uh cd out that i wish he would promote more because it is one of the best cds that we've ever made in in our studio so uh so there's him mike me uh, we let, played let, his let me let me stop you right there because i tried to corner al because he actually sat in 
at one of our showcases with Mike okay. and, and uh, David Noyes. And I just got to say this about Al. Al has a personality that exudes joy in what he's doing. He's a great front man. And, uh, you know, people were commenting of, who's that, who's that guy? Who's that guy? He really... He has a great joy about, and he's a great singer and a great musician. He does. So, anyway, and if you want to have a fun time, go down to the wine cellar in Northport on every other Sunday. He okay. does a thing called Sitting In With Wilson. It usually starts at 4 o'clock. That reminds me of the of when I went down to New Orleans and people would just come and play. You never know who's going to play each Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he's the leader of the band, and it's great. So, yeah, Alan, uh, we've, we're, we're hoping to get some more original music out of Alan. Um, All right, well, we're gonna, Alan. You're gonna be listening to this podcast, and uh, we're calling you out. So yeah, there you go. So so there you go. Um, so a couple other people on here are uh, Chris James and Annie Mark. Okay. Annie Mark is a is a great singer songwriter. Chris James is just a great all all around musician. He plays with the Haymakers, and the Haymakers were almost like the house band on this record. Uh, they did their own track. They backed uh, Donna Domingo. Um, Chris did a track by himself, but it was really with the Haymakers and uh, some people from his older band. Um, so uh, Chris is another great musician. But some other people that have been on Paradiddle that I'd like to talk about, uh, one is Russ Seeger. Okay. Uh, and... Russ is one of the most talented musicians I've had the opportunity to work with. I've done two, mm. two original CDs with him here. He played along with Mike Me in, in a band called The Last Hombres. Okay. Um, Levon Helm was their drummer on one of their CDs. So right, right away they got some serious street cred. Sure. But Russ would come into the studio. He'd have an idea in his head. I want the song to sound like this. And he'd explain it to me. I wouldn't understand. But by the end, it would be like, oh, my God, this is a brilliant song. So um, I've been really blessed to have some really talented musicians in here. You had Bill Scorzeri on your show. Oh, yeah. Bill was great. So my Bill Scorzeri story is one day I got a call from some guy. He said, I'm looking for a studio. I want to record a song. He was doing it. He had an original song. I think it was called Blue Water. And it was for, maybe it was for the veterans who were building houses. So he came in to record that. And we recorded the basic tracks. And then they'd come in to follow up on it. And he goes, I got some other songs I want to record. And we literally recorded 70 songs as a demo. He had just oh had God. an epiphany as a songwriter. He had listened to Towns Van Zant, And instead of wanting to play Led Zeppelin, he wanted to be a singer-songwriter did these 70 songs. We did his first record here, and he has since gone on to bigger and better things, recording in Nashville and, you know, well, you know the well, whole I Bill got, Scorzeri story. But. Well, I got to tell you, my connection to Bill is a left-field connection. So I'm in this electronic security business as my day job. I go to Bill's house because I get a lead in Huntington. He lives in Huntington. And yeah. I get a lead to this house, and I meet Bill. I have no idea who he is, right? By the way, I didn't get the job, but that's neither here nor there. We go down into his basement, and he's got, oh. he's got, oh, you get like the door, oh, he opens it up, and it's like the ultimate man cave recording studio in his house. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, 
you know, my jaws, jaws dropping, right? This is like four or five years ago, okay? And as I'm thinking about customers, I'm like, hey, I remember this guy. I know he's probably recorded something. I called him up. And sure enough, he said, yeah, I'll be, I'll be on your podcast. And it blew me away. Oh. And he was coming out with his album that, uh, that had to do about Kansas, The Winds of Kansas or something like right, that. Right, right. And he's got well, his studio. His home studio is amazing. His basement is two stories high. <laughs> I, I mean, it's 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 an amazing thing. And uh, and he's got he's got such a unique voice. It, yep. it, you have to. I'm going to leave it at that. You have to listen to him. And certain artists came to mind uh, when he uh, his approach to it. It's so unique. Sure. And refreshing. Well, also, also, what was funny was when I met him. He uh-huh. was uh, this clean-cut guy with short hair. He might have still been a practicing attorney. Right, right. And then within a year, he has this beard. You know, now, now I call him, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, the beard, because it's, you know, and he's... he's like he's, He looks like one of the Smith Brother cough drop guys. Yeah, exactly. But but he's devoted himself to his music, and he's put everything into it. Um, so it's great to see the success he's been having. That's nice, um, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, You know, the other people I have in the studio sometimes are some of the people from Nerma. I don't know you're familiar with Nerma at all. Oh, yeah, sure. In fact, my my experience with Nerma was uh, I saw the Neil Young show. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was was at an American Legion, I think, in Hewlett Harbor, right? Uh, No, Huntington Harbor. Huntington Harbor, excuse me. And that... That blew my mind. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of shows since. I got to connect with those people because this. Yeah, man, you, what, you should. You should speak it's, it's to. It's very either... similar to what you're doing in the compilation. They do on stage. They do. Through an, they through do an album. Yeah. Yeah, they do a great job. Uh, that's Tom Ryan and Steve Prisco. Uh, you, those are people you should have on your show. You should talk to them because they they put on these incredible shows. There's a whole body of musicians they get involved in these things, and they put on these wonderful performances. And I've been lucky enough to work with some of them in the studio and from time to time. So, yeah, what um, I liked about their performance is it ran very smoothly. In that, sometimes when you have a lot of artists coming up on stage, you get kind of clunky. You know, okay, I'm going right. to plug in. You're gone. This, they went like that. They went like that. Boom, boom, boom. Through, through. Oh, through they the know catalog. what they're doing. They, they have a good team. Yeah, yeah. There's another another uh, group of guys, a guy named uh, Bill Donnelly and Dan Donnelly. They do something similar. They do a thing called Albums We Love. Mm-hmm. And they, they pick an album, uh, you know, that started with the Peter Gabriel album. They did the Deja Vu album. And then they'll play, you know, a few places out on South Shore. And, and uh, it's great. It's just real. And they, they do a, a, a knockout job. So I enjoy it. Well, I, I, I think this speaks to what you were saying before is – how much talent there is on Long Island. It, yeah. There are so many great musicians, and uh, yeah, it's just it's fun to, to listen to them and, and work with them and sometimes get to play with them. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, you know what's interesting, too, is you know coming out of quarantine, you know, we're all kind of locked up, and just, just as normal practice, not on a big audio file or anything, is, hey, when I go out with my wife, it's like, oh, where's there live music playing? Let's go where there's live music because that's that's going to be entertaining for us. And I think now with the backlog, I think there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot lot to discover out there. And that's where, as I get older, and I've spoken about this on other podcasts, where, you know what, I didn't want to get 
in the rut of reminiscing about the bands I loved from the 70s, and I love them, but I don't want to just be hearing that same thing. I want to hear interpretations of that. I want to hear new music. And, you know, this is like the, the, the Pete Mancini fan club, but guys like Pete who can take old music and make it young again, you know, and give his interpretation and follow in that same vein. That, I think, is exciting, you know. And Gene Casey, another guy, had no sure. idea about no idea about Gene. Go to see him live, and I'm like, this guy just lifts the whole place wow. up. It was just, he knows one, and I, I have categories, and I'm yapping too much here again. But I look at people who are very good at their craft and what they do, and then there's a line that crosses says, not only do they do that, but they engage the audience, and they're a real entertainer, and they can do that back and forth. That is a special skill. It doesn't happen to everybody who's good at woodshedding sure. their voice and their their instruments. So, it just but you're right. Gene, Gene is is a, is a performer and an entertainer, and uh, yeah, he just puts on a great show. But you know, but I think what you said is is interesting because there's a lot of people who grow up and they spend their whole lives listening to everything they listened to in high school. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if that makes them happy, and that's great. But there's other people, and I guess you and I fall into that category, that are always looking for something new, something different. And there's so much of that to be found. And you can find it on Long Island. You can find it in the clubs where, where they play the original music. And we're very lucky for that. Yeah. And, and you know, guys at our age, it was interesting. We went, when I was in high school, there were a lot of bands that played, you know, all over, okay, in all the bars. And, right. then di and then disco came and everything <laughs> changed and right. it was disappointing. Uh, and that's when I got married because disco was there, but no, it just, it changed, you know, that, that's and how now, you responded to disco. You went and got married. Yeah. And I'm paying for it ever <laughs> since. No, um, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Honey, I'm kidding. This is a, a test for my wife. If she actually listens to the podcast, cause then I'll hear it later. That's right. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but, um, I'm seeing that resurgence of live music, which I think is great. Uh, yeah. You know, there's yeah. something about communal. And to be honest with you, I'll go to a Jones Beach concert and stuff like that. I like the smaller venues, maybe because they're more intimate. I mean, I don't buy the three or $400 tickets at Jones Beach. And then you end up in the bleed section, nosebleed section, and you're watching it on the screen anyway. There is that right. communal experience right. in it. But I do like... 75 125 150 people intimate things because you're you're right there you know uh the paramount and, and has that capability uh, the, the paramount that there's also you know the landmark in port washington is great I don't, I don't know if you see shows there but i love seeing shows there because it's it's like a mm. an old high school auditorium and they get oh, okay really good really good bands there yeah, yeah, I think Steve Forbert played there recently. He's Steve a, Forbert, we're going to be seeing, seeing Willie Nile uh, Saturday. The Jayhawks are playing. You know. Oh, really? I, yeah, this, yeah. This, I love the Jayhawks. Oh, oh me too. Man. They're 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 probably my favorite band, and uh, you know, but they, they've played there a couple times, and that's that's a great place. That's a real find on Long Island. So, uh, so there's some venues that are that are that are small, intimate, and have good music. If you like the Jayhawks, and I'm going to throw another pitch in for uh, a bluegrass group out of Brooklyn, of all places, called Damn Tall Buildings. And if you like the, and I remember, because this reminded me, they love the Jayhawks too. 
And if you like the Jayhawks, got to check out their stuff. Damn tall buildings. Well, I'll be listening to them on my, my on tomorrow morning. I assure All you. Right. Cool. Hey, so let's let's because we talk about Gene so much. I feel like I I owe I owe Gene just for the uh, the love and entertainment he brought brought to us. Um, tell me about Gene's song, "You Win Again." How that came about, and let's have let's have the audience listen to it. Oh well, I reached out to Gene and uh, uh, said I was doing a Hank Williams project. He said, "Of course, I'm in." What song do you want to do? He came up with this one. Um, now he brought in he brought in his band for this one. The, I think the last one we did for the he did most of the recording himself. I think on the Willie Nile record we did, but this one he wanted to have um, the Lone Sharks be part of it. Okay. Um, and they came in, they recorded it here in this studio, and I don't know. Every time they play, it's great. So you know, it's. Uh, I mean, what can I say? He picked a great, a perfect song for his band, and they did a great job. All right. Without further ado, let's listen to "You In Again" with Gene Casey and the Lone Sharks. We'll be right back after the song. The news is out. It's all over town That you've been seen Out there running around I know that I Trusting in you was my great What can I do? You win again. Trusting in you 
thing that I was fascinated about on this compilation CD of uh, which is called Hank Williams Uncovered is how many artists you had on the CD and the other thing is I'm like oh crap I got to put my glasses on because I'm trying to read the cred so maybe you could tell us about some of the artists or all the artists on the uh, on the album sure well we've we've talked about a couple of them uh, some at length you know like Pete and Gene Casey um, but there are a lot of great people on the on the CD. I mean, after Gene Casey, the next person I reached out to was Caroline Doctro. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She's a singer-songwriter, lives out on the East End in Sag Harbor. She's actually the daughter of E.L. Doctro, the great American author. Oh, um, interesting. She's a great songwriter, but she's also a wonderful interpreter of songs. And she's been part of the Paradiddle family, been on a lot of our uh, CDs, and she contributed Cold, Cold Heart, and she did a great job on that. Um, Grace and You was a, did some background vocals on that track, so that was really nice. Mm. Uh, I know we touched on Mary Lamont, the queen of Long Island country, but she and her husband Jim, again, they did a great track, You're Gonna Change or I'm Gonna Leave. Right, right. I remember listening couldn't, to couldn't that. Do a, couldn't do Hank Williams, do, couldn't do country without including her. Um, right, sure. Yeah, she's a great. She was a great guest on the podcast. Yeah, I learned some really interesting things about her. I didn't know that you know she worked with Alice Cooper. I mean, <laughs> that was the, talk about a clash of worlds. That I'm, was really surprising. I'm telling you, that came out when I was interviewing her, and this happens a lot in interviews. So out of left field, I'm like, nah, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, it was a great story. It was great. You learn you learn some interesting things. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I know we mentioned uh, Alan Santoriello, um, who played with Mike Nugent, but mm -hmm. also, uh, and I and I think I mentioned that he's, uh, well, his brother is also on this. Oh, okay. And they're both in the Little Wilson band. Right. So his brother contributed a, a, a really cool track, uh, setting the woods on fire. So that was that was fun. So I got both of the Santoriello brothers on here. Nice. Uh, Domingo, I think I mentioned her briefly because I mentioned that the Haymakers backed up several people on it. Uh, Donna plays in a Johnny Cash tribute band. She's June mm. Carter. I believe she also does uh, a Patsy Cline thing, which mm. is something I've considered as a follow-up. I don't know if I'll go through with that, but uh, right, that right. seems to go hand-in-hand hand with Hank Williams. Sure. Um, and let's see, Annie Mark was on it, who is uh, Chris James's wife. They also did a track together. So Chris James and Annie are uh, on this CD a couple different places. Uh, mm -hmm. Jerry McKevney, a uh, staple in the Long Island music scene. He did Move It On Over. He, um, he plays with Gathering Time. Okay. So uh, they're a pretty well-known uh, folk trio. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Who else? Oh, Roger Street Friedman. I can't forget him. Um, he's a, another really good songwriter. Uh, what's interesting about his track, besides the fact that it's really good, is that Larry Campbell, 
produced it. He also oh. played fiddle, pedal steel, mandolin, guitar. Um, so there's some some real real good talent on that track. Sure, sure. Um, the Hoodoo Loungers. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No, they're new to me. Okay, they're uh, again an East End Long Island band. Um, they really a New Orleans influenced band. A lot mm. of fun. If you get a chance to see them live, go see them because it's just a party when they play. <laughs> nice, um, nice. One of my favorite there, cities. Oh yeah, me too. I've been there several times and I love it. But uh, we put out their last CD, so beautiful, and and they contributed a track to this. Uh, my bucket's got a hole in it, so that was. Oh that right, was nice. right. Nice. nice. Um, there's also a group, the Lone Pine Radio Boys. Okay. Now, this is really, a, there was a band back in the late 70s called The Werewolves out of Texas. And their first album was produced by Andrew Logue Oldham, the Rolling Stones manager. And okay. then they kind of faded away. But uh, I got to know Frank from that band, um, Frank San Pedro, and he has this side project. Uh, the Lone Pine Radio Boys, and they did a track. So again, it was uh, it's it's fun to do that, and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing. I think the Werewolves are actually going to put out some new music after what is that thirty years? So that'll wow, be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, then there's Hank Stone wearing out your walking shoes. Hank, uh, another staple on the Long Island scene. We're actually working on a new CD of original music with him, so that should be something that's coming out soon. Nice, nice. Um, and I really would be remiss. Now, you showed the CD, all right? This is the yep. CD. This cover is an original drawing. It's done by Ken Korb. Really? He is, he's a fantastic artist, but he's also known as Ken the Rocket Korb, who okay. is one of the top harmonica players on Long Island. He's uh, an amazing musician, an even more amazing artist. And he and his wife, Laura, did a track on here on Blue on Lonesome. Mm -hmm. And also his son, Michael, uh, did the mastering of the CD. And he's on the Weeping Willows and he's singing the lead vocal on that track as well as playing guitar. Nice, um, nice. So there's been a lot of, I, I, I hope I didn't leave anybody out. I'm trying to think. I don't think I did. I know, again, we talked about some of the other people earlier, Mick and uh, Mike Meehan. So, and if I did leave anybody out, I apologize to them. But uh, I think we covered just about everybody because well, you, you know what's so it's so it's interesting to me is just just you know maybe you've been around for a while, but the fact that you're able to gather all those people and have such you know such diversity and you know uh, you know kind of like the Haymakers is the house band on the CD on a lot of tracks. I think you had mentioned once right. before so you really you know you weren't starving to try and find somebody to do a particular hank williams tune and i'm, I'm sure that was probably part of your process of how do, you, how do you divvy things up you know or or did a lot of the uh artists come and say hey i like to do this i'd like to do that or was it more of your direction as far as uh song selection uh with this it was a lot of people said oh you know i want to do this song and, and a lot of times they pick the less obvious songs Hmm. Um, okay. Oh, you know who who I didn't mention, who I really should mention, is Claudia Jacobs. Uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with Claudia? Now, see, I'm such a neophyte in here. Uh, even though I'm 61, I'm kind of young as far as getting to know the who's who. I mean, you're you're going to be my go-to guy. So whether you know okay. it or not. <laughs> well, 
Claudia was on our Kinks Uncovered CD, a great mm-hmm. singer-songwriter. Um, she plays Long Island very frequently, and she was one of the last tracks we added to the CD. And I'm trying to figure because there's so many. I'm trying to remember which one she did, but it was one of the one of his more popular songs. And oh yeah, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me like oh, you yeah. used to do? One of his mm-hmm. best known songs, and that was one of the last ones that we did because so many people picked songs that were um, obscure, lesser known. You know, like right. "Wearing Out My Walking Shoes," "Setting the Woods on Fire," "I'm Blue," "I'm Lonesome." Songs that people don't really don't know, but uh, were great Hank Williams songs. Right, right. Well, I tell you, it, it's it sounds one amazing about many things. The amount of artists. The fact that you said you put it, it together in about 14 or 15 months, which is which is amazing to me. But I said it earlier, and it, it really kind of hung with me as I listened to this album in the car, uh, the CD in the car, is it brought, uh, it brought Hank Williams alive to me. And, you know, sure enough, it was like, oh, I, you know, I knew this was covered by X celebrity artist and then you find out, yeah, it's really a Hank, it's really a Hank Williams tune. Right, you got to go, yeah. you got to go back to your roots. So, you know, everything old is new again, as they say. So you helped resurrect uh, Hank Williams sure. for uh, for our audience tonight. Uh, it has the Long Island Sound endorsement, if if that means anything to our, our well, listeners. It, it certainly does. That's a great <laughs> endorsement to have. So, <laughs> so um, hey, Bill, let's take a quick break. Thanks for really uh, bringing uh, all the artists to life who who. Uh, put their blood, sweat, and tears, and emotions, and and uh, and their nuances to the song, which makes everything uh, beautiful. So uh, let's take a break. We'll be right after the break, everybody. Hang with Sounds us. Sounds good. Thanks. At the Long Island Sound, we're much more than a podcast. We're building a community. Please go to gigdestiny.com. Check out all our social media links. Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Please comment. Call the listener line. Tell us what you think. What questions we should ask. Who we should have on the show and most of all we thank you for your generous support and remember support the artists who are guests on the show now back to the podcast i tell you that recording with gene casey is great but i'm going to sing the gospel of seeing these artists live and if you have anything to put on your bucket list and you're in the new york area see gene casey and the lone sharks mostly on the east end of long island although he's he's coming to close to nassau to some degree uh, a great show and a great and and a big-hearted guy, like you said earlier, Bill. But uh, yeah, I you know it is. I want to. This is a CD that's going to be in my car for many weeks to come because there's now that I'm kind of cued into who's singing and a little bit of the background. I want to. I hope the audience is in the same light as me. Is I want to learn more about Pete Mancini and about you know Mary Lamont was a guest on my show and. She was perfect for the song that she did. Uh, I want to know more about the artists that uh, that you've had at Paradiddle. So uh, thanks for bringing that to the table today. My pleasure. All right. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I look forward to uh, more conversations, Bill. And uh, as we take a deeper dive, we're both on the same mission to expose the wellspring of talent here on Long Island. So Nice to have a partner in crime uh, as we move or we paddle in the same direction together uh, and to help these artists out because they're the ones who, uh, I've always said this, these artists are the ones who 
uh, are able to speak and say things in their music that I can't always articulate. And that's where it kind of touches my heart and uh, helps me remember and move forward and look uh, at life with uh, blessings and graciousness. So, and with that, I, I thank you, Bill, for, for spending your time with me. I really appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been fun. Great. All right, everybody, till next time, we'll see you. Check out the album, Hank Williams Uncovered, and you're going to love it. All right, guys, take care, Bill. All right, thanks. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Until next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Peace.